Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of the Nashville Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Swanson, and in addition to hosting this show, I'm a husband, father, real estate investor, and residential mortgage advisor with New American Funding. I've lived in Nashville for seven years and absolutely love this city. Thanks for listening and supporting the show over the past two years. In this episode, seasoned appraiser Doug Blackburn discusses topics such as becoming a licensed appraiser, the future of appraisals, the home scanning at Picasa, appraisal management panels, and valuable resources for understanding how to best utilize appraisers. But first, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Nextdoor Photos. Nashville Realtors, finding high quality photos and videos for your listings shouldn't be a hassle or break the bank. Nextdoor Photos is your local solution to help you get your listings sold faster. You can get on our calendar in under three minutes with our online booking platform. Take your pick from a wide range of services, including photos, floor plans, drone, listing websites, walkthrough videos, and more. And the best part, you'll have all your media delivered within 24 hours at no extra cost. Plus, our client portal makes it easy to find all your media in one place and upload straight to the MLS. For our Nashville Real Estate Podcast listeners, use the coupon code NREP, that stands for Nashville Real Estate Podcast, for 25% off your first order with us. Discover just how effortless it is to elevate your listings at nashville.nextdoorphotos.com. This is your host, Jared Swanson, and today we have with us in studio appraiser Doug Blackburn. Now, Doug has over 30 years of appraisal experience and offers appraisals for mortgage lending, home equity loans, divorce, date of death, estate planning, and pre-listing services. We have never had appraiser on the show, so I'm super excited to have you on. How are you doing today, Doug? Doing great, doing great. I appreciate you asking me here. It's always a um, always a pleasure to get to provide another um, line of reasoning and thought on what the real estate industry is doing and how it relates to appraisals. Yeah, and I, I'm really excited to get into it because I think uh, we've got a lot of good questions. Some people actually wrote in a few questions as well, which, which uh, we'll go over. Um, but first, before we get there, we always ask our guests, what is your favorite restaurant in the greater Nashville area right now? Sperry's. Berries, the Bell Mead location or Cool Springs. That's we, our family's had a tradition of going there for thirty years, and um, it's just the go-to. Awesome. So there's never any decisions about special occasions, birthdays, and um, how we want to spend it, and who we want to spend it with, and where we go. Nice. Is there anything particular you get there, or just depend on the day? Salad bar. Nice. And okay. you know we steaks, um, chicken. The girls get chicken, so um, but no, it's it, the salad bar and just the experience of being there. Yeah, everybody just enjoys it. Yeah, see, honestly, I I feel bad saying this. I've been here eight years and I have not yet been to Sperry's. So I'm gonna write that down. That's next birthday. It sounds like it's the place to go. Yeah, yeah, and the the Bellmead location and Cool Springs. It, the the Cool Springs location is an exact duplicate oh, on the cool. inside. So down to the floor coverings, wall coverings. The ambiance is just one's in a strip center and one's a freestanding restaurant building. Nice. So it's if you if you have been a frequent customer, the first time I went to the Cool Springs location, it was a little bit disconcerting because mm -hmm. there aren't any windows oh. at the Bell Mead location. 
nor the cool spring. Wow, so you're cool. you can perfect. yeah you can walk out and if yeah. you if you catch yourself you can walk out and think you're going to be on Highway 70 <laughs> and you're in the middle of cool spring. That's so, so cool. Wow. All right. Well, shout out Sperry's good replication and great food. Um, well, cool. Well, Doug, let's let's go back to the beginning. Um, we don't uh, take too much time as far as um, the early early days, but I'm curious, kind of you know you've done this for 30 years. Um, you know, talk about how you got started in the industry and, and kind of how it's evolved over the years. So most appraisers who are my age range, so I'm in my mid-50s, um, appraisal companies were really family businesses. Um, the idea, the, well, the seed was planted because my father was an appraiser. Okay. So he owned a real estate company. He was a broker. He sold the company, signed a non-compete and decided to um, get into the appraisal business. Um, at the time, you know, let's say 35 years ago, uh, banks went to real estate brokers for appraisals. Hmm. So there were no appraisal licensing. You could just call yourself an appraisal and order the pre-printed forms. Wow. It was called Forms and Worms. <laughs> and you rolled them into a typewriter and you typed the appraisal form. And it was typically done by brokers. Wow. So um, he was probably the first person in our hometown, it's a small town called Morristown in East Tennessee, and um, really had the first appraisal company. So my brother worked there, and when I was getting ready to get out of college, uh, he would not let me work for him. Mm. So I went to Knoxville and worked for an appraiser in Knoxville for about 90 days, and then um, was transferred to the Nashville office, which is a couple blocks from us here in oh, Maryland cool. Farms. Nice. So that was my first introduction to Nashville, and that was probably in 1992. Yeah, 1992. And then um, we ultimately moved here in 2001. Wow. Wow. So we've, I've been a full-time Middle Tennessee resident yeah. for 22 years. Yeah, well, cool. And I'm always curious. I know there's a lot of... Um, What's the word like? Uh, I want to say studying, obviously studying, apprenticing um, to become an appraiser. You can't just now sign up and, and and start it. Like what what is the process? You know, kind of. Like? So the licensing requirements in 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 Tennessee and all the other states that have reciprocity with Tennessee, the it, it's it's a very unique path to get your license. It's, it's one of the very few professional licenses with the state that you have to have an apprenticeship hmm. period. Um, right now it's 24 months for certified residential. So typically what happens is um, you'll, um, well, it's best to establish a relationship with a licensed appraiser so they can sponsor you. Hmm. So typically that relationship, you know, you, you, you get your sponsor and then you'll take 75 hours of education, kind of the basic appraisal courses, and then start from scratch, basically. So you have to have ultimately 200 hours of education and then 1,500 hours of experience. So to break that down, each residential, a non-complex non residential appraisal counts for eight hours towards your experience. Okay. So, if you know, if you take 1,500 hours, so that's approximately 190 appraisals. Okay, wow. So, those appraisals 
the, the experience hours have to be obtained over a 24 month time period. Mm. So even if you obtain the, your appraisal experience quicker than that, you still have to wait out the 24 months prior to becoming licensed. Okay. So that's something that has been very unique and um, a lot of people's opinion is, is that has stifled the amount of um, appraisers that have entered the profession. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is there, is, is there a lot of new appraisers coming in, or is that a big hurdle that's kind of deterring a lot of that? Um, I would tell you, after 2000, the number of appraisers entering the profession have gone down precipitously. I mean, you know, there's a measurable line of how many new appraisers are coming in. You know, right now, appraisers are leaving the industry. Mm. So as they age out, you know, if you, you know, I don't know exactly the, the, the statistics on it, but a significant portion of the appraiser population are over the age of 50. Mm. So several large appraisal companies, appraisal management companies, banks, title companies that have appraisal management divisions, have um, made a big push to hire um, staff appraisers. And along with that, it's, it, I think it's in, in, in effect in Tennessee now, but it's called Perea. So Perea is a alternate path to obtaining your experience and education. So essentially, you could think of it like a um, certificate program Okay. at a you know university yeah. or local college. So you, you participate in this program, and at the end of the program, you leave with the ability to sit for your residential appraisal license okay. exam. Um, that will, they call that an alternate path to licensing. Uh, a lot of appraisers are against it, um, but there has to be some type of mechanism to bring in new appraisers with a shortened path. Okay. So once you go through that and get your certification, are you good to go or do you still need that 192 appraisal? So, so the, the, the education hours you'll That's obtain okay. within the program gotcha. and then the experience hours, you, you, that's, that's going to be classroom and. Okay. It's a combination hybrid of yeah, on the yeah. job. Exactly. Okay. Field. So yeah, so classroom and field. So okay. your your course provider will, um, some days will be classroom experience and then some days will be group okay. going out and inspecting properties, going out and actually doing the field work. Okay. So, but it's set up so that it may not equate to the 1500 hours, but at the end of the program, you are, your, your experience and education requirements are satisfied mm -hmm. and you're able to sit for the exam. And, and the appraisal institute sponsors. I mean, they they have a educational path and some other uh, some other um, education providers. So it's um, it's it's definitely been endorsed by the leading appraisal organization, which is the appraisal institute. Okay. So do you think because 2021 was crazy for you know getting appraisals done? It would take sometimes thirty to you know forty days, fifty days, because you guys had backlog that was just absolutely. Insane. And now with appraisers getting out of the industry, we're, we're okay right now as we record this, rates are touching about 8%. Right. So obviously demand is, is down, but once we kind of normalize and get back maybe in that high sixes or whatever, if there's another kind of 
um, mini boom of people that have sat on the sidelines, do you foresee that being an issue again as far as long lead times? I do not. Okay. Because during COVID, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac created hybrid and desktop appraisals, and now Freddie Mac in, in particular has the PDC, which is the property data collector. So that's going to be the hybrid or the desktop appraisals mm -hmm. where it's bifurcated. Okay. So they're going to bifurcate. So they're going to separate the inspection process or viewing the property mm -hmm. with the valuation process. So with appraisal waivers, property data collection, hybrid appraisals, and then traditional appraisals, I think that we're, we're set up really well to handle any type of volume fluctuations. That's cool, yeah, it's good. I'm glad that you feel positive about it because I've, I've done a desktop appraisal. Um, I forget the requirements, might have been 10%. I forget what it was, but someone came out 3D, kind of mapped the property. Yes. And um, then gave that to the appraiser. Yes. And then that, I mean, we got someone out there the next day. I think we got it done in two or three days. It was so much quicker on, on, on everyone. And I don't know if it was cheaper or not. Do you know the cost on that? I think the cost is the same. The same, okay. Now, yeah. because it's so new. Yeah. And I think the fees they offer on the evaluation side um, have to be pretty close. Yeah, they can. Yeah. I, I but... Long term, it, 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 it should be a cheaper product, yeah. but you have different, different competing. Sure. Uh, so the AMCs right now, so when we're talking about bringing new appraisers in, yeah. um, a lot of the leading AMCs that are approved to provide these bifurcated products to Freddie Mac are limited. Mm -hmm. I think there's five. And you said AMC, that's Appraisal Management Company, just wanted to clarify that. Yes, yeah, Appraisal Management Company. So typically in the past, they had been a facilitator between lenders and appraisers. Mm -hmm. um, now they have, they have basically morphed their business model into providing valuation products. Mm -hmm. So they've done that through hiring staff appraisers, so they can control the entire process. So they engage the property data collector, then they provide that information to an in-house staff appraiser. Mm. Um, I mean, I think they really needed to do that to test the product yeah. and to make sure that it was a viable uh, means to replacing a traditional appraisal. Mm -hmm. um, it, at this point, it's still a very small percentage of the appraisal volume. Mm -hmm are hybrids. Um, Fannie Mae, or F, the F, FHFA provides um, statistics on the number of appraisals, the total number of appraisals that were ordered mm -hmm. in a quarter and how, you know, what, how many were traditional appraisals, yeah. how many were appraisal waivers, how many were hybrids, desktops, you know, the PDC product. Mm -hmm. And it's still a small percentage. Okay. It's it, it's you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the cuff and say it's under twenty percent. Okay. Okay. But that's going to increase as the product is developed. Right. And you noted in the um, in your comment earlier, so the property data collector uses a an app called Cubicasa. 
So it's C-U-B-I-C-A-S-A. Okay. It's available on Android and um, Apple, iOS. That's what they use to scan the house. So it will create a floor plan and an estimated gross living area okay. based on interior measurements and some algorithms built into the software that will account for exterior walls. And if done properly, it can be very close to a representation of what an appraiser would do okay. with exterior field measurements. Okay, because that's what I was going to ask you. It sounds like the same, same pro you would have done that manually. This helps kind of speed up the process and it's yes. pretty accurate because when the one that I did, the both realtors were a little concerned, like we haven't you know done this before, seen right. this before. Like, I don't know if I trust someone to come in and get it accurate and, and do that. Um, at the end of the day, everything was fine, moved smooth, and everyone was happy because it was done so quickly. Right. But what would you um, maybe say to a realtor that is a little hesitant about um, one of these hybrid or desktop appraisals? Yeah. So the first thing for your realtor for your realtor listeners, I would suggest they download Cubicasa and you can scan homes for free. Oh, interesting. So as long as you don't need um, appliances and cabinetry put in, it will, the result will be a gross living area calculation mm -hmm. and the, ex, and the, and the, let's say the exterior dimension, not dimensions, but the floor plan. So like if you see a traditional appraiser where, appraisal where the appraiser has sketched the floor plan with the exterior walls and put the room locations in, this will actually do the interior walls and then it'll provide you a calculation. So appraisers are now um, required to adhere to ANSI, ANSI um, GLA okay. requirements. The Cubicasa app is ANSI aligned. So it's approved by Freddie Mac and um, it's, it, it's definitely a tool that an agent with, you know, a couple of homes, like, you know, when I downloaded it, I, I scanned my own home yeah. a few times. So you just have to have an iPhone okay. or an Android device that has LiDAR. That's cool. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great product. And so that's what the property data collector okay. is going to use. So you so, can see it, compare, and make sure everything is, is good, make you feel more comfortable. Might as well just test it out yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And two, you know, I have, a, I have a lot of agents that call me and say, hey, can you measure the home for me? This would be a real good starting point for free. Mm -hmm. Take your iPhone and, and scan the property. You know, once you, once you get into the app, it, it, it's direct, you know, it directs you step by step. And it uses your microphone, so when you're, you know, when you go to the kitchen, oh, wow. you hit the microphone button. You say kitchen, and cool. then you scan the kitchen. You go to the living room, wow. living room, primary bedroom. So as the as the human on the other end at Cubicasa is is taking that um, cloud information, mm -hmm. these data points that build the floor plan, they they're listening to you describe what the rooms are so that when you get the when you get the result back it the rooms are labeled kitchen wow. bedroom bathroom half bath That's you know awesome. garage you even scan the garages you don't have to open up the doors or anything okay so it's definitely something to to um uh, add to your toolbox yeah. as a realtor you know yeah because that's interesting i think my home when we bought it 
the square footage was, at least what I saw on real tracks or Zillow, it was actually off once we got the appraised right. appraisal done by like 200 square feet. So it's, it's even just for that, just double check listings and help realtors to you know write their, their listings. Um, that would be another good tool. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Um, well, cool. Well, let's um, transition a little bit to, um, I'm, I'm curious your process on, on how you get comps. Um, and you know, me as the lender, our team will order an appraiser to come out. Um, actually, let's, now that I'm talking, I want to ask you one more question before that. So we here at New American Funding, we have a panel of, of appraisers. At my previous company, I don't know if we had a panel, I think we used the AMC and all that. Maybe just shed some light into kind of how that works. How do you get on a panel and maybe is... Do AMCs also use their own panels, or what is a panel? Yeah, so when, when you talk about a panel, you are that's traditionally been, let's say, a, um, a local bank. So here, let's just say, yeah. you know, First Horizon Bank. They would have a panel of appraisers that they managed and was selected by Someone management. Yeah. So, you know, you, know, you know, most banks have appraisal departments. Mm-hmm. Um, that are separate just because of the Dodd-Frank Act that are separate from loan production. So um, they typically, so everyone on that list, they call that a panel. Mm -hmm. Um, An AMC, they have a list of appraisers. It's the same thing to me. Yeah, so I mean, you would just be on the panel of appraisers. Um, Typically, it's a rotation basis. A lot, you know, well, I'm going to say a lot. I do not know of very many lending institutions that don't have some type of third-party software mm-hmm. that manages the appraisal assignment process. To keep everything compliant and just kind of... That's right, yeah, that's right. That and there's certainly, there's certainly nothing wrong with um, uh, lenders or AMCs reviewing the appraisals and mm-hmm. seeing the quality of work, the timeliness of the work, mm-hmm. and the fees, mm-hmm. and ranking or rating their appraisers on their panel mm-hmm. so that, you know, if you're a bank, you don't you don't want to assign things to people to stay compliant mm-hmm. based on, let's call it, they hit your number every time. Right. But you certainly want to reward people who do high quality work, mm-hmm. they honor their turnaround commitments, mm-hmm. and they don't have very many rescissions, revisions yeah. to their work. So as a bank or an AMC, all that, all that, um, translates into time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you certainly want to use appraisers that don't bog down your system mm-hmm. and create problems. Right. So, um, you know, that's, in, in my experience, getting on panels, um, it's, it's relationship-based, mm-hmm. you know, there, you, you, and especially now. Yeah. Um, you know, if you were to approach a, a, a new relationship and say, hey, I want to be on your appraisal panel. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so just for disclosure, I'm not on your appraisal panel. Mm-hmm. So if I were to come to you now and say I would like you to add me, mm-hmm. that would be a big ask mm-hmm. because you probably already have, let's just say, a dozen people. So if you add another person, then that creates less work for everyone. And to me, that's not a great situation. Gotcha. So, as someone, as a, if an appraiser's on a panel and say their work starts, they're getting less and less orders because that institution or lender or bank has added so much. You might be like, "Hey, 
I'm going to go to another panel or go somewhere else where I get more volume. And That's you, right. You could potentially lose something really good. That's right. And, you know, the reality of it is, let's just, let's say you're, you, let's say you're, you know, big town bank and you have 20 appraisers on your panel, you're going to rotate the work equally mm -hmm. because if you have a substandard appraiser on your list, mm -hmm. remove them. Yeah. So yeah. it actually is if you, you know, if you add that 21st person, then you get every 21st appraisal. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there, 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 there are, you know, caveats and, and different reasons in that, you know, a, a lot, a lot of my work comes from high end stuff that, um, they need to have done mm -hmm. in a certain amount of time. So even though I'm on the panel, I'm a person that they call and say, hey, we have a really complex appraisal in Green Hills that we really need to get back by, you know, six days. Mm -hmm. So my schedule is set up. So, you know, I'm leaving here and going to Green Hills to do exactly that type <laughs> of that, that type of deal. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a it's 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 a, a, a private private client okay. division of a large bank. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, the builder didn't meet their time commitments. So now we're at the end of the, you know, mm -hmm. end of the process and they need an appraisal done very quickly. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, it just comes down to service. Yeah. What's your service level? Yeah. And can you get more appraisals on the panel? So I'm just like a, a, a loan officer's competing yeah. for additional work. Just be better. Yeah. And, and be available. Be responsive. Yeah, and that, that's interesting because they're not going to put someone that's maybe one or two years of experience in something that's super complex. They need someone that has a lot of experience that knows to get something done. Yep. So it's like, all right, we're going to send this to Doug just he has a good yeah. And some lenders, they do they do have an experience requirement. Mm -hmm. Some lenders, it's five years, two years, three years. You know, mm -hmm. I've, I, I've had many people that worked for me that went out, you know, started their own company after being licensed for a couple of years. And they're like, man, I'm running into this. You know, everybody say I need to have five years of experience. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you have to work around it. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, one thing I want to touch on is um, for listing agents is getting an appraiser to come out before they list to get a kind of proper comp on, on the market. Um, do you get calls like that? And, and I feel like it's um, what's typically, you don't just say your, your cost, but what's typically the cost to get someone to come out to do that? Yeah. So for me, in a self-serving manner, I would I would like for every agent to get an appraisal on every house they listed yeah. without question. Um, is it necessary? Absolutely not. So you know I, you know you gave me a couple of these questions ahead of time. So you know, would I say an agent needs to get an appraisal? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Do I think they should be able to have a conversation with an appraiser? Yes, mm -hmm. always. So on every listing, you know, not necessarily getting a full appraisal, but, you know, I find that a lot of the, the general public is locked into, you know, when you're dealing with an appraiser, it's you get a full appraisal or you get silence. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
and there are a lot of appraisers whose personalities they conduct themselves that way. It's like, hey, can you know, I, I'm really uncertain about the direction I need to go in on this property. Mm -hmm. Well, you need to get a full appraisal. Yeah. For me personally, I think it is, um, you know, it's relationship based. You know, I want to help agents that send me work and 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 um, you know, let's say are a client. Mm -hmm. And then I think a conversation, if they're in, you know, if if they're on my team, let's say, then a conversation is free. Up to, you know, hey, can you send me your five best comps for this appraisal, mm -hmm. or not for this appraisal, but for this property, yeah. or you know, what do you what do you think about Canterbury, this neighborhood? What are the trends that you've seen in this neighborhood? Yeah. So those are not appraisal services. Yeah. Those are those are just professional services, you know, or they're you know it can be hey I think that the best comp for this house is one two three Main Street, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to say well, you know I'm just looking at it from a more you know neutral position. Mm -hmm. That house is way better quality. Yeah. Look look at the cabinets in the kitchen and the flooring and the bathroom vanities and the shower doors. I said, you know, compared to your home, this is this is a superior product. Yeah. So like, you know, I, you know, yeah. That, that that's awesome. That's a great idea too. Like, you don't necessarily need to get a full appraisal done, but maybe book some time with you, schedule some time. It's worth the cost to have a phone call to talk about the you know their listing versus what you see, and not only does that help price it, but also helps with the, the client, the seller, to kind of have that conversation real or to sellers, hey, we've consulted someone that's done this for 30 years, like this is kind of where we think this price needs to be, and maybe takes some of that headache of seller and realtor um, disagreement in pricing. That's right, that's right. And and we're, we're not in that environment yet, but, you know, an agent in a, in a market where property values are declining. So even with appraisers dealing with homeowners, so what sale do they know about? Mm -hmm. They know about the highest price home right. that has ever sold in their neighborhood. That's the, that's the comp they know about. Yeah. That's the only comp they know about. Yeah. So when you encounter them as a, as a broker or as an appraiser, that's the obstacle yeah. is that's the only comp that they see, and because historically, we'll say the past five years, all we've seen is homes sell for more and more and more and more each week. Right. Right. So, um, you know, in the market in the past year, there have been some overheated market where selected home buyers in every market overpaid. Not all of them. You know, not everyone overpaid, but there are selected. There were selected homes where this person was moving from a high-income state, a high-value state, where they're moving to Tennessee. They're buying a home that is a third of the cost mm -hmm. or the price of what they just sold. Right. So for them to overpay by five percent, eight percent, because yeah. they wanted that particular home, yeah, it's not a problem. Happens all the time. Yeah. You know, the down payment was enough that it didn't affect the LTVs mm -hmm. on the lending side, yeah. and then the appraisal side. 
we've all seen contracts there were no appraisal contingencies mm -hmm. so let's say the past three years I haven't seen any appraisal contingencies mm -hmm. now I'll see a few mm -hmm. some, some the contracts that I see I'll see a few that makes sense with how the market's moving. Um, and if if a realtor had an appraiser come out and do a full appraisal on the listing before, they don't have to necessarily disclose that, right? It's only a home inspection that they have to uh, disclose. Is that correct? So if I hire you as a listing agent to come out, I haven't listed the property yet. I just want to see, hey, can you do it? come out, do an appraisal on this, I want to see what it's worth. Do you have to make that public too when it does go on the market? I don't think so. Yeah, because it's all kind of behind. So it would depend on who the client is. Mm -hmm. So in this situation, the appraiser's client is the real, is the real estate agent. Yeah. So I have, I, have, I have a confidentiality duty to mm -hmm. my client. So any conversations that I have about an appraisal on that property has to be with, through, or at the written consent of the client, who in this situation would be, let's call him Realtor Bob. Mm -hmm. So Realtor Bob, I can't discuss the appraisal with anyone except for him unless he gives me written consent to speak with someone else. Okay. Okay. So now as, as an appraisal, you know, I can't, I can't limit, I can't limit his disclosure mm -hmm. unless we do it on the front end. Right. But, you know, we typically know they're going to use that for, we call you know, listing purposes mm -hmm. or determining market value for a pre-listing mm -hmm. appraisal. Uh, that will, um, you know, that's what the intended use of the appraisal is. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And the intended user. Yeah. So the client's Realtor Bob, the intended user is Realtor Bob, and the intended use is a pre-listing market value determination. Okay. Well, that makes sense. That's, that's super interesting, too. And um... Oh, and the cost is between, let's say, between four and $700. And that's primarily based on time, comps, like your, your, your ability to depend on where it's located, how hard uh, of a... I guess of an appraisal it is as far as there's no lack of comps and you're pulling data all over the place, right? It's pretty much based on That's time. it, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's based on time and then, um, you know, Hard let's say value. let's say you're in uh, Murray County, five-acre, 3,500 square foot home. So comp time, driving time, right. comp driving time is going to be, you're going to have to drive to these mm -hmm. properties in a, you know, certain proximity to the subject property yeah. versus if you're in a, say, a Fieldstone Farms in Franklin, mm -hmm. all your comps are going to be within a half a mile. Mm -hmm. So you're just going to drive around the neighborhood and view the comparable sales. Sure. So that that would reduce the time there. Okay. And just the complexity, you know, we've got old MLSs. We, you know, say when I do an appraisal, I'll look and see, you know, what's the subject property? Mm -hmm. What's there? How big is it? What's it look like? Street view. How complex is it going to be to measure it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Doug, as we wrap up here, I just want to ask one, one question. Is there anything I should ask you? Is there any common question that you get often from maybe real estate agents or maybe something that you want to shed light on the industry that's not known or just, yeah, any, any kind of fun fact that you can uh, provide? I would say 
probably one of the biggest pieces of advice that I could give to even, you know, loan officers, realtors, you know, anyone that's, let's say, real estate adjacent is that, um, you know, appraisers should be open for communication. Um, too many times I hear complaints that, um, you know, I called an appraiser and they said, I can't talk to you about this. I can't talk to you. I, I can't talk to you. Period. Mm -hmm. That is not true. They can discuss certain aspects of the appraisal with you, depending on who you are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In terms of, you know, who if you're the client, are you an intended user? Are you an employee of the lender? Are you an employee of the AMC? There's certain things that we can talk about mm -hmm. and that we should and not just shut down a conversation. Yeah. So, you know, and if you're, let's say, let's say you're removed from the process, you know, let's say you're a homeowner or someone that's, you know, obtaining a loan or, or involved in a, in a situation where an appraisal is ordered, someone there, someone in your circle yeah. has the um, legal ability to contact and communicate with the appraiser. Right. So for me, I've always found that being open and available to answer questions is for me from a liability management perspective mm -hmm. is the best course. Yeah. You know, I want to talk to people and be honest with them and explain, you know, even if I can't discuss the value, it's mm -hmm. explain to them very clearly why, and then maybe give them a path. Mm -hmm. It's like, so although I can't speak with you, Jared can speak to me mm -hmm. through his appraisal department. Right. So for me, the best course of action would be to enumerate your concerns, mm -hmm. give that to Jared, let him review it, and then right. pass that along to his appraisal department or his compliance department and let them at least go through the correct communication and get these answers back to you. Yeah. I can't promise you the result that you seek, right. but that's the proper way to get the answers to the questions that you need from me and allow me to stay in compliance. Yeah. There's always a chain of command. There's always a way to get back to the appraiser. It, yeah. just, it has to be followed through. Like for us, like you said, I have a third. We've got someone that we go to our team that would handle all of that, but I could give them a list of questions that right. we want to ask the appraiser. And I would find it to be poor customer service yeah. for someone involved in, let's say, one of your transactions that called me that's not within that intended user circle that I can speak to. Mm -hmm. If I just shut them down and say, I can't talk to you. Yeah. Well, that's, that's yeah. just poor customer service. I can't talk to you. But Jared, so like talk, I said, provide yeah. that path exactly. and get and get and give them give them a way to find the solution they want, as right. opposed to just shutting it down. Right, because the easy answer for everyone, no matter who you are, is like, oh, you can't talk to the realtor. Like, it's we don't want to uh, breach any, you know, of requirements right. or anything like that. And it's time consuming to take care of problems sure. Sure. in any industry. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the lending process, the 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 broker process, the appraisal process. You know, problems take time, yeah. but that doesn't mean that you can just shut them down. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Well, Doug, I appreciate you coming on here and just shedding some light on a lot of things that are kind of vague and, and mysterious in the industry, and um, I feel like you provide a lot of value for, for realtors, for borrowers, for other loan officers. Um, what's, what's the best way for someone to get in, in contact with you? So, cell phone. When I call people and leave messages, it is you can contact me anytime, day or night. Mm -hmm. 
my, my wife and daughter have heard me say that and they make fun of me. But when I leave <laughs> someone a voicemail, I say, Jared, this is Doug Blackburn. I'm calling you about the appraisal on 123 Main Street. Um, I'd love to speak to you. I'm available anytime, day or night, on my cell phone. All right. And what's that cell phone number? 615-268-5435. All right. Perfect. And we'll put that on the show notes and we can go and, and uh, click over and tap on that and uh, give Doug a call. Perfect. And then I will, I'm going to get, I'm going to forward you some documents that I think would might be valuable to cool. your listeners. Um, one of them is the um, HUD appraisal handbook. Okay. It talks about everything appraisal related to HUD. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a USDA handbook Perfect. and both those documents are searchable. So if you've got an agent that has a question about a repair item, you can just do a keyword search and let's say, okay, what, what, does, what does HUD say about wells? Mm-hmm. Um, the document is evolving. It was most recently updated in April of 2023. Okay. So a lot of the, a lot of the um, requirements have changed. You know, one, one thing that your, your um, realtor clients are going to hear is when an appraiser calls to set an appointment, they're going to ask you about access to the attic and the crawl space. Mm-hmm. So access to the attic and the crawl space used to be a hard requirement. Mm-hmm. So now, if access is not available, the appraiser reports it was not available, access was blocked, and we don't, so appraisers are not required to move anything or disturb any insulation to get access to the attic or the crawl space. Okay. So in the past, it would be a whole ordeal of, okay, you guys have got to move all this stuff out of these closet, this closet yeah. so that the appraiser can get up in the attic through the scuttle hole mm-hmm. and appraisers would spend 30 minutes at the home. So that's no longer a requirement. Okay. So, you know, there are things like that yeah. where if, you know, if, if, if appraisers aren't up to date on the most current thing and let's say you're next month and someone's conditioned an appraisal for viewing the attic, mm-hmm. Well, that's not a requirement. Mm. Wow. So they, how often do they switch that? Every kind of hit or miss? Just... I mean, recently been, they've changed it frequently. Okay. Um, it's, it's not very often, but every, um, when, they do, when they do revise the document, they put the dates that it was revised. So there again, a keyword search for, like for me yeah. as an appraiser, I go in and type in that date in April. So I, th- I think it's the 18th. So April, you know, 041823. Mm-hmm. And that will, I can go to every point in that okay. document that shows that change okay. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, awesome, Doug. Well, it was great having you on. And uh, maybe we'll have you on every every few months or so to just get an update because I feel like it's you've got a pulse on the market and kind of yes. can see a lot of changes ahead of time before they actually evolve because of all your data points. So. Yeah, and next time I can come prepared with the um, maybe that information because I think a lot of people are interested in how much of the appraisal volume, if you're a lender or a realtor, you know, what what's the likelihood of me getting an appraisal waiver? What's mm-hmm. the likelihood of me getting a, a, a bifurcated product? Yeah. What's the likelihood of getting a, an appraisal? Yeah. Right now, you're probably going to be getting an appraisal. Yeah. But Absolutely. that's going to evolve over time, and, and, and that information is publicly available. I can give you the links and things. But again, cool. it's, we'll it, it's, it's, it's the real data behind the yeah. data. No, absolutely. That would be awesome. 
Well, cool, Doug. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll catch you down the road. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm Jared Swanson at Nashville Real Estate Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you feel extra generous, leave us a five-star review. I greatly appreciate it.